This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Well, uh, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I wonder if you could just think of, of somebody, that the best person you've ever known. Uh, it could be anyone. It could be a family member, somebody who you have great respect for, who, who's just the, the, the person you look up to. It could be a friend. It could be someone you've known a long time, that the best person in whatever form you want that to be. It could be a famous person, it might be somebody you, you know of and, and have heard of and perhaps you've read an autobiography of, the, the best person, in your opinion, that, that, that you've ever known of. What, what, what makes them good? And, and, and what makes them better than everybody else? It could be yourself, you might think that you're particularly good and, and that's the person you're thinking of by all means. But, but, but what makes that person you're thinking of, the, the, the best person, the one that you look up to above everyone else? What is it about them? I suppose thinking back over the last few weeks, there have been famous people, haven't there, who, who have passed away and, and, um, and, and have caused lots of news stories looking back over the things they did with their lives and, and the things that they've achieved and, and the, the, the things they, they contributed to the world, I suppose, in whatever field that may be, whether that's singers or actors or, or whatever else. But, but, but people look up to, to those, don't they? And, and, uh, and, and see them as, as people that, that should be respected and, and, and for them maybe they are the, the, the best people they've ever known of. And I wonder who it is as, as we uh, think about our own examples but, but verse 23 of Romans chapter 3 was, was really clear there wasn't it? It, it? it puts everyone together uh, in a chapter that I think is quite wordy. I think a lot of Paul's letters are quite wordy. Um, but, but chapter 3 of, of Romans, yes, is, is still, um, there's quite a lot of detail there and quite a lot of words there, perhaps. Uh, and, and verse 23, it, it says there, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. It doesn't matter who you were thinking of, whether, whether it was a, a family member, a friend, a, a famous person, or yourself, whoever it might be you were thinking of as the best person you've ever known, well, well all, all have sinned. And all fall short of the, the glory of God. And, and that word there, sinned, it, it means, um, it, it's almost a picture of aiming for something, and, and, and the word means to miss the mark. You look at the concordance for that word and it, it talks about um, falling short and, and, and not sharing the prize that's on offer. You can almost imagine, can't you, firing an arrow at a distant target and, and, and you, you stretch back and, and you try and fire your arrow at that target and it, it just doesn't make it anywhere near. You're miles off. You just haven't got the, the accuracy or the power in the bow or whatever it, it might be. But, but, but all have missed the mark. Everybody misses the mark and, and fall short of the glory of God. It's an interesting phrase there as well, isn't it? That the glory of God, what's meant by that? Just to get a picture of Romans, turn back a couple of chapters to, to chapter one. I think, if you like, the theme that comes through Romans is, is quite clearly laid out, actually, in, in Romans chapter one and, and verse 16 and 17. It tells us what, what the whole letter was going to be about. Uh, Paul writes there, Romans chapter one, verse 16, he says, I, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That the just or the righteous 
shall live by faith. And, and that's what the book of Romans is about. It, it's about comparing the Jews and the Gentiles, they call them Jews and Greeks there, doesn't it, in verse 16, but, but Jews and non-Jews, effectively. It, it talks a lot about them and, and the, the positions that they are in, and it talks a lot about the Lord Jesus, and it, and it talks a lot about faith, uh, as opposed to earning salvation. We, we have to have faith uh, to, to actually end up with a hope in this life and, and and that's what Romans is about and you can flick through these chapters and it gives example after example of of, of, of looking at the Jews and, and looking at the Gentiles and looking at what people have done and it keeps coming back to the same point that actually we are saved by faith in, in the things that God has put in place and, and he's writing to a group of people who are who are probably mostly mostly Jews and, and are, are quite early converts and and and, and those who are Gentiles, they're, they're still being quite heavily influenced by the Jews that are there. And, and, and so Paul is talking, Paul himself was a Jew, uh, and he's talking to them about the, the new way of things uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and example after example, as I say, of, of how, how, how faith is important. Uh, and we're going to think about that for a, for, for a little while this afternoon, about, about uh, what it means when it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When God made everything, when God created everything in the beginning, he did it to, 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 to give him glory as much as anything. It was for his pleasure. I think it says as much in, in Revelation. There's, there's a verse at the end of Revelation chapter 4. I'll, I'll read it to you. It, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honour and power, for thou hast created all things for thy pleasure, that they are and were created. You're worthy to receive glory and honour and power. You've made everything. And for your pleasure, that they are and were created. And we're going to flick back to Genesis chapter 2. If you think about that, so everything that was made was for his pleasure. Everything that was made was to give God glory. And he chose what it was going to do and what it should do. And you think about everything that God made, the birds and the insects and the animals and the fish and the plants and everything that God made gives him glory and does exactly what it's supposed to do and has done since the beginning of creation. It's carried on giving him the glory that was due to him because he made it for his pleasure and it carried on doing what it was supposed to do. One thing didn't do that though did it one part of his creation Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 that the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die God says you've got a choice you're the only part of creation that's going to have this choice. Everything else is just going to get on with, with what it's supposed to be doing on a daily basis. Insects pollinating flowers and, and, and trees growing tall and giving fruit and, and everything doing what it's supposed to do, what God made it do. And, and, and the only thing that had the choice was, was, was Adam. And to Adam he says, this is the one thing I want you to do. You, you can eat of anything but this one tree, the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're not allowed to eat of that one. And we know, don't we, in chapter 3, that that's exactly what happens. Verse 1 of chapter 3, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He, he said to the woman, yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the free fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, 
neither shall ye touch it lest ye die and the serpent said to the woman ye shall not surely die for God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof then your eyes shall be opened and ye shall be as gods knowing good and evil and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one why she took of the tree uh, sorry of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat and the eyes of them both were opened that the only part of creation that had a choice Adam and and, and then Eve as well um, and, and they made the wrong decision and, and the problem was that, that, that God was was holy God was, was righteous God couldn't dwell with sin sin missing the mark and, and sin not being like God I suppose and, and not doing the right thing and, and God couldn't have that um, that that's there for him and so the end of chapter three we miss out a chunk but but it's about the the curses that come on on adam and eve that the last part of it verse 22 of chapter three that the lord god said behold the man is become as one of us to know good and evil and now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever therefore the lord god sent him forth from the garden of eden to till the ground from whence he was taken so he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. God says there's going to be a separation. Uh, you're no longer going to dwell in this garden with me. Well, what, however we understand that, angels and other things. I, but, 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 but no longer was there going to be that, that close relationship between God and man. It was now going to be separate that there was going to be a division be between the Lord God and, and this man and woman who he had created. He, he sends them out from his presence. Uh, and ever since then, we, we have all had exactly the same choices in, in that we've had good and we've had evil. We, we've had the things that we should do and the things that we shouldn't do. And, and, and every single person since, Romans says have made the wrong choice they've fallen short that they've missed the target missed the mark and, and, and therefore um, the, the grave was waiting for us all and, and actually this this lesson goes on from there I know I've said it from this platform before but but the, the book I think the bible if you if you look at it as a whole is, is, is the first couple of pages everything's really good and this book is really talking about a relationship, I think, between God and man. It's, it's talking about the relationship and how it's changed over time. And, and the first couple of pages, that relationship was brilliant. And, and God and man were dwelling together in the garden. Everything was really, really happy. And, and, then, and then man ruins it because of his sin. And the rest of the book basically is about God trying to make that right again uh, until the very end where, where it is right. And that's what the Bible's about, isn't it? It's about this relationship between, between God and man and, and God working out his plan and purpose to, to restore the things that man's put wrong. And so he starts to do that. He, he, he chooses a man, Abraham, and, and his descendants. And in doing that, by selecting one person from the whole of the earth and saying, this is the person whose family are going to be chosen and called out from the rest of the world, he's, he's separating again, isn't he? He's saying, actually, this is the family that's going to serve me, and everybody else is different. He's teaching the world about separation, about division, about God being holy, and about mankind being sinful. He's saying there's a division between you. And it's not that... Abraham and his family were the only people ever that were going to be able to serve God. It, it was just that by using them and selecting them and, and having them, 
um, actually it was teaching the whole world about, about uh, the issue that, that um, now existed. Uh, and he carries on doing this. So, so Abraham and his son Isaac and, and then his son Jacob. And, and Jacob had 12 sons and, and eventually there were 12 tribes within this family. God selects one tribe for various reasons that, that were allowed to serve him as priests that the tribe of Levi. So, so again, God says, out of this one family and out of these 12 tribes, I'm going to pick this one. And, and again, there's separation, and there's division being taught to the people, and, and, and not just to the Jews, but, but to the whole world. God's saying, there's separation between holy and unholy, between me and, and sinful man. And then from that tribe and from those priests, he only selects one man who once a year is allowed to come into what was called the most holy place where they worshipped. And this one person once a year after various sacrifices was allowed to come into this place where God's glory was revealed. The most holy place at the very centre of the tabernacle. And everything else about their system of worship that God put in place was, was again, teaching them about division. You're allowed to eat this and this and this. You're not allowed to eat this and this and this. That There's separation, there's division between clean and unclean. You're allowed to do this and this and this, but you mustn't do this and this and this. There's separation between God and, and man, between clean and unclean, holy and unholy, and so on and so forth. The, the, the whole of, of the law and, and the Old Testament was, was teaching them and reminding them about about sin really and, and about that separation and division and, and come on to, to psalms the psalms uh, and um, this is a psalm of david psalm 40 where david picks up on this idea because every time they did anything wrong every time they sinned they, they had to come and sacrifice they had to bring an animal and they had to uh, kill it before the lord and, and it was representing that the fact that actually they deserved to die the thing that they'd chosen to do was against God's will. It was sinful. They'd missed the mark and, and therefore actually they were guilty of, uh, and, and, and deserved to die there and then. But, 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 but the sacrifice uh, took place instead. But, but David points this out. That he says there, Psalm 40 and, and verse 6. He says, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering Hast thou not required? Then I said, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. That's what God wanted. He says, actually, when these people are coming along and sacrificing, God's not happy about that. It doesn't make God rejoice because somebody's brought an animal and, and had to kill that animal. That David recognised that actually the fact that they were bringing an animal for sacrifice meant that something had gone wrong. Somebody else had missed the mark once again and fallen short of the glory of God. While the rest of creation went about giving God glory, here was another person who, who was having to, to offer a sacrifice because they were sinful. And, and, and therefore there was division and separation between God and man, between holy and, and unholy and, and so on. And David said, actually, what God wants is somebody who, who's going to do his will. That's what God wanted in the beginning. That's what God gives God glory. That, that was what we should have done from, from Adam and onwards. We, we should all have, have, have chosen to give God glory. And the problem really with the law, and, and Romans 23 talked a little bit about this, that the problem for the Jews anyway in the way that they used the law of, of Moses and, and the, that the rules that God had given them was, was they almost saw it like a tick list. That they, they said, well, as long as I give this sacrifice and, and that offering and I turn up on this day and I do that, I can tick all these things off. And then I've done and done and done and done and done. And therefore, the works that I've performed mean that I'm, I'm giving God glory. 
and David recognised that wasn't the case. It, it wasn't the case that you could tick off a list and, and earn salvation or, or earn God's pleasure. That, that's not how it worked. There's a couple of examples of this in, in Jesus' day. If we, we have a look at Luke chapter 10, a, a couple of people who, who under the law and, and under um, the Jewish tradition, I suppose, really, had start to feel that, that they could earn salvation. And, and Jesus talks to them about this. So, so two people who, who, again, might be people that, that were looked up to. Two people who, who might have been respected and, and, um, and everyone uh, revered them, perhaps. Um, Luke chapter 10 and verse 25 we, we've got some somebody who comes to Jesus and he says behold a certain lawyer stood up and tempted Jesus saying master what shall I do to inherit eternal life so, so, so here was somebody who was was quite self-confident he, he was quite self-assured he was fairly certain that in himself he could he could earn eternal life he, he could inherit uh, eternal life by, by doing something what shall I do that, that I might inherit eternal life what works do I have to tick off so, so that God can, can rubber stamp that and say that's fine you, you can live forever and, and that was the problem that, that many of the Jews had they thought they could earn it they, they could do it of their own works they could do it of their own selves and, and, and Jesus tells them a parable um, which sometimes I wonder if we get slightly the wrong end of the stick with. He, he tells them about the Good Samaritan. He, he says, verse 27, uh, sorry, verse 26, first of all, he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbour as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbour? He, he wants this tick list. He wants this list of things that he can do. And, and just to make sure he's doing it right, who, who is my neighbour that, that I might uh, go and love this person and, and, uh, and love him as, as I love myself? Jesus, verse 30, answering, said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, bringing in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbour unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Now, what we tend to take from that parable, and, and I'm sure many of us have heard this parable before, what we tend to take from this parable is we need to go and be kind, like the Good Samaritan was kind. But when you think about who Jesus was talking to, Jesus was talking to this fairly self-confident, proud, self-assured man who relied on himself most of the time. And, and he said to him, verse 29, he asks Jesus, who is my neighbour? And when Jesus gets to the end of the parable, he says, who was a neighbour? unto him that fell among the thieves he doesn't say put yourself in the position of one of those three people 
uh, who came along, two of which didn't help and one that did. He, he doesn't say, go and put yourself in the position of the good Samaritan. He says, which one was a neighbor unto the one that fell among the... Th-? He says, put yourself in the position of the one who was attacked. Put yourself in the position of the one who was on the floor and left for dead. Put yourself in the position of the one who had no hope and, and of himself was, was as good as dead and could do nothing about it. Yet Jesus says to this proud, self-confident lawyer, that that's what you are. And then look up and think, who is my neighbour and, and who's going to help me and, and who can get me to that position where I can live? And he says, the one that showed mercy on him was his neighbour. And that's what Jesus was teaching him, I think, here. Yes, there's the other part. We do need to be kind to people and show the mercy that this man did. But, but I also think he, he was telling him, humble yourself and, and recognize that that's where you are. Of yourself, you cannot do anything to inherit eternal life. You, you cannot earn salvation. You, you can't work so hard that you get a place in the kingdom. That's not the way it works, Jesus says. You, you're, you're like that down there on the floor, having been attacked and left for dead. And the only person that can help you is the Lord Jesus Christ himself he's the one isn't he that's represented by the good Samaritan the one that comes along and and pays the price and heals this man and and helps him up and and does everything that's needed that that's what this man needed to learn maybe we need to learn that too that that actually we can't do anything of our own selves without the Lord Jesus I I suggest there's another man that comes um, to to see Jesus a, a few pages on in Luke Luke chapter 18 and again here was someone who who had so much I suppose around him and so much security in this life and, and, and was doing so well and again I think there was a bit of a tick list going on in, in this man's mind a very different attitude he comes with but, but Luke chapter 18 and verse 18 a certain ruler asked Jesus saying good master what shall I do to inherit eternal life it's exactly the same question isn't it that the lawyer asked him what shall I do to inherit eternal life you can look at some of the other records of this incident and he's not asking it in the same way he's not trying to trip Jesus up he's not trying to trick him he comes with him actually in the other record and he's down on his knees and he's pleading with him because he really wants to know what it is that he can tick off the list he's still got a slightly wrong impression of how to do it but 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 he's he's much more humble than the other man we saw Jesus answer is is interesting verse 9 he said unto him why callest thou me good none is good save one that is God that thou knowest the commandments do not commit adultery do not kill do not steal do not bear false witness honor thy father and thy mother and you can almost imagine this this rich young man ticking them off do that I do that I do that I do that and I do that brilliant verse 21 he said all these have I kept from my youth up But, but there was one that Jesus had missed out when you go back to the Ten Commandments and you look at them and they're split into the ones to do with our relationship with God and the ones to do with our, our, our other parts of our lives and our relationships with each other. If you just look at those ones to do with, with our relationships with each other, um, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honour thy father and thy mother. But Jesus hadn't mentioned thou shalt not covet. And for this rich young man, that was the thing that was holding him back. That, that was the thing that was making him fall short. That, that was the thing that he lacked. In one of the other records, it talks about that, actually. It says that you lack one thing. And it's exactly the same words as we saw in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for falling short or coming short. It's exactly the same word that this man fell short with one thing or, or lacked one thing. And it was the fact that he trusted in riches and he coveted things and he wanted more and more stuff 
to make him feel happy in this life. And Jesus could see this. And verse 22, he says, Jesus heard these things. He said unto him, yet lackest thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast and distribute unto the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It was a difficult thing. And it's not about a tick list that you can go down. It's, it's about trusting and having faith in something other than yourself and your possessions and the things around you to, to try and get uh, the things that you want. So, so we perhaps go back to, to, to Romans chapter 3 and, and just um, think about that a little bit more now with, with that sort of background. And, and, and actually that's the picture we have. We, we are all lacking. We are all falling short. None of us quite make it to the mark. None of us quite hit the target. No, none of us can actually uh, get the bullseye as, as we're aiming. We, we all sin, verse 23 of Romans chapter 3. We all sin. All have sinned. All have miss the mark and fall short of the glory of God. We, we, none of us quite do what we're supposed to. None of us quite give God the glory that we should do. And, and, and it was emphasised even more, wasn't it? Verse 10 of Romans 3, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. That their throat is an open sepulchre, that their tongues uh, they used for deceit, the po uh, poison of asps is, is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, their feet are swift to sh uh, shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways, and, and so on and so forth. It's quite bleak, isn't it? There's not much uh, good news there, is there? Uh, and this quote that we've been given to look at this afternoon, that's, that's basically what it's saying. Except there is another side, isn't there? There's a bit more that comes out of, of this chapter and others. And, 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 and that's perhaps the bit we need to, to think about uh, now, is, is about the Lord Jesus. Because when it says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Jesus didn't, did he? Jesus had to die because he was mortal man. He was a descendant of Adam and therefore he was, he was going to die like the rest of us. But, but the grave couldn't hold him. There's various quotations we could look at to, to prove this. Um, I'll, I'll flick through some of, some of them. You don't have to turn them all up. Luke 23, as an example, but when he's there on the cross and, and the, the thieves are talking to him. Luke 23, verse, verse 39, one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God? seeing thou art in the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we, were the, uh, we received the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. Um, 2 Corinthians and, and chapter 5 and, and uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says uh, again that, that, that this wasn't something that, that was including Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, I'll find the right uh, Corinthians, that would help. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 verse 21, it says therefore he hath made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
Um, there's there in Hebrews in chapter 4 as well. It talks about Jesus as a high priest in, in Hebrews. And in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And there are other passages we could go to as well. That The point is Jesus did no sin. He was like us and he was tempted like us. And all the things that we give into, when, when we have the choice between good and evil, and we go after the evil. Jesus had the same choices. But, but it says of him, it says he learned to refuse the evil and choose the good. That was the difference. He, he learned to, to put aside those sinful things that we all want to do and end up doing and get wrong and therefore fall short and, and, and miss the mark. And, and Jesus chose the good instead. And, and he's the only person since uh, since the start of creation that's managed to make that choice correctly. And, and therefore, we can have a hope in him. But verse 24 of Romans 3, it says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, a mercy seat, an access almost to the Lord God. We have it through the Lord Jesus. That, that's the way it works. He was that, that meeting place is, is, is effectively what that's saying. When we want to meet with God, we do it through the Lord Jesus, uh, through faith in his blood, to, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. When we fall short, when we miss the mark, Jesus justifies us we, we, we are made up we, we are given that extra distance we are given that extra accuracy we, we are we, we are given the extra bit because Jesus did no sin and therefore the grave could not hold him we, we go on a bit further into Romans and and again they're quite wordy chapters but Romans 5 and Romans 6 talk about this in, in much more detail and tell us about what, what it is that, that happened and, and the difference between the way Adam's actions led to our, our eventual mortality. Well, well, in Christ, we have hope. Um, it says there, verse 12 of Romans 5, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Let's go down to verse 15. Not as the offence, so also is the free gift. For if through the offence of one many be dead... Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offences unto justification. And if by one man's offence death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. There's this opportunity in Christ, he's saying, to, to actually suddenly hit the mark because of the work that he's done, because of his sinlessness, because he didn't give in to the evil that the rest of us choose, we suddenly have a hope. And how do we do that? Well, Romans chapter 6 tells us all about that. But verse 3 of Romans chapter 6, Know ye not... That as many of us as were baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. 
But we are associated with his death and his resurrection by being baptised. That, that's what Paul says there in Romans 6. If you are baptised, then, then you are linked with the work of Christ and, and with his death and his resurrection. And, and therefore, you can have a hope. But verse 5 of Romans 6, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we should also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Christ was sinless, and therefore he rose from the dead. And if we are baptised, we, we can have that hope as well, that we can be raised and, and we can be justified and we can, we can have that hope of life. And this is where it becomes a bit complicated. That, that means that, that because we are so grateful for that, we have to do something about it. And we do start to have to work. And we do have to start to show that, that same attitude that Christ uh, showed. We have to try to do the things that God wants us to do. Not that we can tick off a list and say, I've done that, I've done that, I've done that, I've earned it. But, but that we can show our love back because so much has been shown to us. And I think that's what this all gets at, that actually uh, all have sinned and fallen short, but, but actually there's a hope there because Christ did not sin. He did not fall short. He hit the mark. And therefore the rest of us uh, can have a hope in the life to come. It, it finishes, and I'm going to finish, with, with that last verse of, of Romans chapter 6, which uh, I, th I think sort of sums it all up, doesn't it? But, 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 but that's where our hope is. R Romans 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. That that's what we've earned. That, that that's what we deserve. That that's what we've managed to get for the works that we've done and the evil that we've chosen. We, we've earned death. Every one of us, no, no matter how good we may be and who else you look to in the world, that there's nobody, even the best person you can think of, that that hasn't earned death because of the things that they've done, the, the, the marks that they've missed and, and the falling short because of the things that they've done. That the wages of sin is death, but that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org dot uk